Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, the Texas History Podcast. This is your host, Ken Wise, and I thank you very much for tuning in to this episode and for your love of Texas history. As longtime listeners of this podcast know, the world headquarters of Wise About Texas is located in the Houston area, and we've had quite the interesting year in Houston. We had record rainfall from a hurricane, then we have the World Series Championship uh, won by our own Houston Astros, and the week that I'm recording this, uh, it snowed in Houston. That's right. It snowed overnight in Houston in a measurable amount uh, that actually stayed on the ground for a few hours in the morning. Um, but though that's unusual, it's not unprecedented. It snowed uh, in 2008, snowed in 2004, snowed in 1983, um, several other snowfalls. But that doesn't stop everybody from going absolutely nuts when it happens in Houston and uh, social media was flooded, so to speak, with pictures of uh, people jumping around in the snow. Anyway, what a crazy year it's been. But I do love the cold weather very much. And one of the things that happens when the weather turns cold in Texas is Texans get up a desire for a good bowl of Texas chili. And like so many others, uh, I am always in search of the next great chili recipe. Now, I never really want to settle on one because uh, it's the search process itself that allows me to make lots of different bowls of great chili and uh, so I'm not going to settle on one but I'm always trying one out Uh, and in this episode we're going to talk about the origins of Texas chili because it really is one of the unique aspects of Texas culture and it all began in San Antonio with the famed San Antonio chili queen so that's what we're going to talk about today so let's go back to San Antonio in the 19th century and get wise about Texas. Well, the town of San Antonio is laid out in what I call a classic Mexican style where you have several plazas where various civic functions would occur. And uh, in San Antonio, the main plaza is where the uh, government building called the Casa Reales was uh, constructed. And we've talked about that building in several different episodes because so much of the activity in uh, San Antonio would occur in that government building. San Fernando Cathedral is also located on that plaza. That's the cathedral where the remains of the Alamo defenders are buried and the uh, Santa Ana flew the red flag of no quarter from the from the uh, top of the cathedral. Another plaza in San Antonio, very famous, of course, is the Alamo Plaza, which is the area right out in front of the Alamo. And there's another plaza called Military Plaza, which is just west of the main plaza, And that was originally set up as a parade ground for the Spanish soldiers. And it's on these plazas in San Antonio where the famous chili stands were located. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Let's, before we talk about that scene, let's talk a little bit about chili and where chili began. Um, And and chili, I don't think there's any topic in Texas, uh, not even barbecue, that's got as many different views and controversies and stories as chili does. And I think, uh, I think that we may have to do a separate episode just on some of those stories, but we're going to touch on them a little bit today. And, and you can tell me after listening to this episode, uh, shoot me an email or hit me up on social media. If you think we need to do even more on uh, the different stories around chili, but let's talk, uh, about San Antonio in 1731. In 1731, several families were dispatched by the Spanish King Philip to colonize 
of the, out the far province of Tejas, and they came to San Antonio, and they were from the Canary Islands. And history records that they had some sort of spicy stew that they made, which was probably fairly similar uh, to modern-day chili. So we might be able to give credit to the original Canary Island families in San Antonio for starting all of this. Um, there's another great story about the first time that a chili recipe was written down. Let me say one thing, by the way. Um, chili is is a word that we use a modern uh, word to describe what is more accurately called chili con carne with the uh, chili referring to the peppers and of course the carne being Spanish for meat. Um, but we're just going to call it chili. So there you go. We've already had a little controversy and we're not uh, five minutes into this episode. All right. Well, let me tell you another story that I read. Uh, that's a famous legend. And, and again, this probably deserves its own episode, but the It's the legend of the lady in blue, and it's an Indian legend uh, that a lady in blue would appear to the Indians and preach Christianity and tell them to go find the Spanish missionaries. Well, the other side of that legend is that uh, there was a nun in Spain, and her name was Sister Mary Agreda, A-G-R-E-D-A, and she would go into these trances where she would appear almost lifeless for several days. And when she awoke, she claimed that she, her spirit had been in a faraway land uh, teaching Christianity to what she described as savages, so, which is how they would have thought of the Indians. Well, regardless of what was really happening, uh, the Spanish missionaries certainly believed her, and so did King Philip. This is King Philip IV, by the way, of Spain. Uh, he believed her. And uh, during one of her spiritual trips, it is said that she wrote down a recipe for a dish, kind of a stew that uh, required deer meat or antelope meat and tomatoes and peppers and onions. Now, um, it sort of begs the question of if you're going to go into an almost lifeless trance and teleport your spirit to a faraway land to preach Christianity, Uh, How does writing down a recipe figure into all that? So I'm going to leave that to the theologians because uh, the point of the story and the legend is that that may have been uh, the first time that a chili con carne recipe was actually written down. Now, I will tell you, if you have a really good bowl of chili, it can, in fact, be a spiritual experience. But uh, there's no written record of the lady in blue or her chili recipe, uh, but that's the legend, and we're going to go with it. All right, well, let's go to something we do have a record of, um, and that is that the old trail cooks in Texas, the cowboys, they would uh, take chili with them in sort of a dried-out form. And uh, what they do is they take dried beef, they put some fat in it, some pepper, some salt, and the chili peppers, and uh, they would mix it all together and shape it into a brick. Um, and it was dry, so what they could do is boil some water, throw this brick in there, and you'd have instant uh, what amounted to chili. That's something pretty interesting to think about, that they figured out how to uh, take what they would have had in San Antonio, dry it out, and take it with them. So that chili must have been very, very popular. Well, that's going to bring us to uh, the main part of this story, and that is the San Antonio Chili Queens. And as I mentioned, the... 
they were almost universally women, and they would create these chili stands in the plaza. And so you need to picture this. They'd have tables set up kind of in a hollow square, and they'd be selling, they'd have tortillas, they'd have tamales, which were probably the most popular, and they'd have a little mesquite fire going inside their tables, and uh, on the fire would be a large pot. And in the pot would be an exotic concoction of chili peppers, cumin, onions, meat, and dozens and dozens of similarly situated tables throughout the plaza. They had lanterns on every table, musicians strolling around, and uh, every one of the chili queens talking and flirting with the potential customers of the plaza full of people, people of all stations. Every account you read of these scenes are uh, judges, bankers, lawyers, and uh, even the poorest of the poor working class were all mixed together and all after this fantastic, uh, what we now know as Tex-Mex cuisine. And several authors wrote about this scene, uh, some fairly famous, the writer O. Henry, who during the late 1800s worked at the General Land Office in Austin, wrote the following about the Chili Queens. He described it as, Drawn by the coquettish senoritas, the music of the weird Spanish minstrels, and the strange piquant Mexican dishes served at a hundred competing tables, crowds thronged the plaza all night. Close quote. Author Stephen Crane came to San Antonio in 1895, and he wrote the following, quote, Upon one of the plazas, Mexican vendors with open-air stands sell food that tastes exactly like pounded firebrick from Hades, Chili con carne, tamales, enchiladas, chili verde, frijoles. Close quote. The chili stands became so popular it was an absolute must stop for any tourist to San Antonio. And uh, there was a writer in San Antonio in the late 1880s. He described it uh, this way. Quote, the palmy days of the chili queens when their fame had spread to the larger northern cities Some very musical verse about them had appeared in the magazines, and in the newspaper sketches they were idealized as stunning creatures, with the rich brown skins of the tropics and the languorous grace and bewitching black eyes of Spanish donas. Now, lest you think all these chili queens were Hispanic, they were not. Uh, One very famous um, lady named Sadie, written about, was actually Irish, so I think this uh, this is one example, another example of the great diversity of Texas going way back into the 1800s that the what could be fairly described as traditional Mexican culture and Mexican cooking uh, were being promoted by someone not of Hispanic descent. And nobody batted an eye. I also think it's interesting that during this time, um, you know, in the rest of the country, there was a strong... Um, anti-immigrant rhetoric in the late 1800s, uh, particularly in the Northeast. Not so in Texas, though. This was uh, a proud display of what someone from the Northeast would view as a foreign culture, but what we in Texas know has just always been our way. I think that's a really good testament to Texas. These chili queens were setting up shop on these plazas, and there's some interesting uh, descriptions of of the other vendors who would be on the plaza. The uh, buffalo hunters would come in with bison meat and skins. The Some Indians would be there selling roots and herbs 
for medicine or for seasoning. They'd sell pelts. One writer talked about the Tejas Indians bringing in live birds, and these accounts are coming from the newspapers in the late 1800s. One article I found described the scene as the sun went down and the Chili Queens came out as uh, presiding geniuses of these tables, this is a quote, and feasts at them were the Chili Queens. Their rule was absolute. Some of them were pretty and all were seductive. They knew everyone from the mayor and district judge down to the boot black and called everyone by their first name. And the writer goes on to describe the mix of people that would um, be present all night. Um, another musician that uh, got her start, one of the one of the um, original queens of Tejano music is Lydia Mendoza, and she got her start playing on these plazas, strolling and playing guitar for the customers. So it was absolutely a unique and significant scene, a nationwide tourist attraction, these chili queens on the plaza. But as with all great things, they have their season, and eventually the chili queens were asked to move from plaza to plaza by the city, and eventually in the early 1900s, the scene began to decline, and finally, in 1937, Uh, The public officials clamped down on the health department, uh, shut down the chili stands. There was an article in September of 1937 in the San Antonio newspaper, and here's what it said, quote, Recent action of the city health department in ordering removal from Haymarket Square of the Chili Queens and their stands brought an end to a 200-year-old tradition, close quote. Now, when Maury Maverick became mayor in the late 30s, he tried to Start back, start the tradition back up, but World War II interfered, and the Chili Queens were gone for good. So I got to tell you, when you read about the Chili Queens and you you think about what it would have been like to be in San Antonio in the late 1800s and and go to the plaza as often as you could for this wonderful uh, what we now call Tex-Mex food, um, you can you can imagine that this was one of the truly unique to Texas cultural phenomenons even though it didn't last too terribly long. Uh, There are others, but I don't think anything exemplifies the uniqueness of the state of Texas like the story of the San Antonio Chili Queens. But I certainly can't end this episode without uh, a little commentary on chili. I mentioned earlier that there's probably no, uh, certainly no food that generates as many different opinions as as much controversy as chili Uh, But this is my podcast, so you're about to get my two cents on it. First of all, there's no such thing as chili with beans. If it has beans in it, it's not chili. It may be a really good soup, might even be a stew, but it is not chili. And I submit to you that real chili Colorado, the real chili con carne, uh, will not have tomatoes in it of any kind, not tomato sauce, paste, or cut up tomatoes. Uh, So there you have it. Uh, If that generates a little discussion, find us on Twitter at WiseAboutTexas. Tweet your opinion, and better yet, link to your favorite chili recipe as we all continue our search for the perfect bowl of red. Well, now we come to the ep- part of the episode I call Getting There. This one's pretty easy. Get over to San Antonio and get you some good Tex-Mex. Uh, that's really uh, what you need to do. Also, get you to the store, get some ingredients, make yourself a bowl of chili. Get in the kitchen and uh, get on the outside of some of that good chili con carne. While you're in San Antonio, go visit uh, 
the old market square, go visit the military plaza, go visit the Alamo Plaza. You'll be in the areas where these chili queens operated, and you can imagine what it might have been like during the heyday of the San Antonio chili queens. Well, that wraps it up for another episode of Wise About Texas. I hope you'll provide some feedback to me. Send me your favorite chili recipe. Uh, Tell me what you want to hear more of when it comes to the unique foods of Texas. Uh, Certainly going to work on some um, history of barbecue. Um, Got some feedback from the Texas Barbecue Posse, Chris Wilkins, this week. And uh, we're going to cook something up, pun intended, on the history of barbecue in Texas. Uh, Go follow us on Facebook, Wise About Texas. We're on Twitter and Instagram, at Wise About Texas. And if you'd like to support the preservation and promotion of Texas history, go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash wiseabouttexas, and you can sponsor the show. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Texas History Podcast. Go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.